0: Welcome to Health Tech Talks. I'm Laura Gomez, a recent MBA and Master in Information Systems graduate from the University of Maryland.
1: And I'm Wynne Dobbs, a medical student of the George Washington University and a Master of Public Health candidate at Johns Hopkins. Each episode, we bring you the latest innovations at the intersection between healthcare, business, technology, and the people behind them.
0: In the US, more than 30 million people remain uninsured this population continues to struggle to access the care that they need. Mira Health, a New York City-based startup, is on a mission to change that. Mira is a platform that uses an intelligent care navigation system that for $45 a month, its users can access healthcare services at a fixed cost. Kang Wong, Mira's founder and CEO, joins us on today's episode to discuss how his team is helping thousands of under people across the U.S., Find the right care at the lowest cost. Kang, welcome to Health Tech Talks.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: First things first, can you briefly share a little about yourself and perhaps give us the elevator pitch for Mira?
2: Of course. My name is Kang, founder and CEO of Mira. I graduated from the School of Public Health at GW. And at Mira, our mission is to... Help people without insurance to navigate and get affordable health care.
0: We're excited to to be speaking with you today, and to know a little bit more about what your team at Mira is working on. I think the first question we have for you today is, why do you find the preventive care space to be an ideal field for innovation?
2: Yeah, I think first there are really two things. I think U.S. healthcare intrigues me a lot the first reason it is so complex. And I always been really attracted to things that have multiple layers. And originally, actually, I, I before I became a founder, I, I studied um, pre-med and I wanted to actually become a, a surgeon. And then I got into medical school. I just couldn't afford to go. I was an international student at the point. So like paying out of pocket for medical school wasn't just something I could afford. And I sort of pivoted my career into business. So I still want to be in the hospital or in healthcare. And so back to your point, after graduating from GW, I became a healthcare administrator and I found there's a huge opportunity in US healthcare to cut costs by way of pushing for preventative healthcare and the population we serve, the uninsured is one of those who like need preventative care the most.
0: Um. To their next question is, Mira is not insurance, and the company makes that very clear in their website. What is the best way to think about Mira when equating it to insurance?
2: Yeah, sure. I think you know, in in the context of what we do, right? Our our mission is to get healthcare in the hand of people in the most affordable fashion, and we could frame it multiple way when we're trying to solve this problem. We could become a provider right we could become an insurance company we could become you know a discount plan and our team when we sort of had that conversation are it kind of dawned on us the label of which you choose make it really hard to accomplish your mission because if you want to become a provider there's so much cost and complexity for like associated with that if you become the insurance plan, there are multiple frameworks you have to follow through. And the regulation alone make it extremely expensive for us to serve the uninsured. And so the way we decided to go about it was like, you know, if you think about US healthcare, right? Medicare for all, like multiple initiative that we took as a country, it wasn't about the 90% who have insurance. It always been about the 10% who don't have it. Um, in the past, I would say 50 years or so, the only way we've been trying to solve this problem was you know what for the uninsured let's try to make insurance more affordable for them mm-hmm. but that 10% still exists
0: mm-hmm. right
2: so something about this product insurance doesn't fit well with this population and instead of giving people something they haven't buy for the last haven't bought for the last 50 years why don't we go to them and ask them like what do you actually want to buy right
0: mm-hmm.
1: That is incredibly interesting. And so that's where the idea of Mira came up, which is offering something that wasn't on the market before, which is, for example, your plan is $45 a month, as we understand it, and you're able to get Mm -hmm. reduced prices to urgent care, virtual care visits, annual blood work. Does that sound about right?
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what we found out when we, and at the beginning of my journey, I talked to almost a thousand people who don't have insurance and Surprisingly, they told me, you know, there's this archaic stereotype about the uninsured, right? They're low income, they're undocumented and so on. While some of that is true, up to 50% of those who are uninsured are middle income millennials who live in large cities like DC, like for example, in the Washington DC metro area, there are roughly half a million people who are uninsured, 150,000 of them living in households that make more than $75,000 a year that's insane, right? That's the other half of the story that nobody is talking about. And when we asked them, we said, Hey, you know, why are you uninsured? What do you want? They, they tell us collectively that, you know, I'm willing to pay anywhere between 50 and $100 a month for health insurance or any product that would cover things I need, right? And we asked them like, Hey, what do you need? And it turns out there are three things they, they need the most one is medical attention. So when they have some sort of condition, they want somebody to talk to whether it's in-person or online. They love diagnostics. So lab tests, STD, blood work, things that give them definitive result or near definitive result within two to three days. And then if you have sick medical attention or have a diagnostic test and realize you have something, you want prescription, right? Or some sort of treatment. And that's the, the third vertical. And we're able to deliver those three vertical between 50 to hundred dollars a month that product today does not exist in any form because in this country you either buy insurance which could cost you like a thousand dollars a month or you have nothing there's really nothing in between
0: i actually wanted to go back to what you mentioned about speaking to a thousand plus people and i would love to hear more about your customer discovery process my understanding is that you went through the national science foundation icor program Mm -hmm. and my question is what made you confident that this model could be delivered and scale? So what from your customer discovery or market traction convinced you of this? And perhaps I would love to hear a little bit more about the 1,000 people you, you spoke with in order to come to this conclusion.
2: Yeah, I, I tell you three things. I think one, the National Science Foundation was very instrumental in our, the formation of, of our thesis and company. Mm-hmm. Two, it is instrumental because it, it instills in us a discipline to, again, I think I said earlier, right? Like ask people what they mm-hmm. want, don't impose upon them what you think they want, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. And third, it it allows us to be disciplined in a way that was extremely cost effective, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I kind of touched upon the first, I think it was instrumental in our the the formation of our company because there was a very clear framework in which you have to go through in order to get your idea and everybody going through the program has to do the same thing it's it's a time-tested method right and second Mm -hmm. it a very humble way to build a company because many founders you know when you have an idea you think everybody's gonna need it right and you have to go through this process in which you talk to people you have to collect data, listen to what they have to say. And sometimes what they have to say doesn't really resonate with what you think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But it's needed because you you see both sides of the coin. And I think the third piece, um, the program we went through allocated a very specific specific dollar amount for customer discovery. It wasn't millions of dollars, right? It was a few mm-hmm. thousand dollars. And we have to use those dollars very effectively, which is so essential in today's landscape, right? They're startup who raised, thousands and millions of dollars just to realize people don't need it, right? And <laughs> the iCore program sort of flipped that model and said, "You know what? I'm going to give you just a tiny bit of money and you have to prove it out."
0: Interesting. Definitely have heard a lot about the iCore program and there's there's a couple regional nodes on on this area of the country, so that that's fascinating. That's great that you had the chance to do it.
2: Absolutely.
1: Following up on your customer discovery and being able to have that humility to You know really go and figure out what these problems are that people have Uh, based on your solution it seems that a lot of people want like access to affordable urgent care for example so my question to you is as you're focused on preventive care there are obviously those catastrophic incidents the rare that do happen and so in those instances what do you suggest for users of mirror to do
2: yeah, great question. When I used to work in the health system, I worked for a very brilliant physician who happened to be the chief medical officer. And one of the things that I still remember, Dr. Priest told me was, you know, King, okay, we exist as a health system because people are sick, right? And mm-hmm. our job, we only have one job. Every time someone walk into the hospital, they need to at least walk out. Right? Because many people don't actually walk into the hospital themselves. They get in the hospital through the emergency room in an ambulance. Mm-hmm. So our job at least, they got to be able to walk out, right? Very simply said, but extremely hard to do, mm-hmm. right? And he said, but that was before. That was 80 years ago. Nowadays, people don't go through the ambulance anymore. They walk in a hospital with a chronic disease.
0: Mm.
2: And me, many of them don't walk out. Mm-hmm. you know and so with that framework you, if we think about catastrophic event it less sudden than we think many of them develop over the years right with mm-hmm. bad choices within their lifestyle or you know unintentional choices that cause them to, to get to, to that point and so you know when we think about catastrophic event almost 80 percent of them are not really the accident that that we're prone to think about, but more like slowly develop lifestyle choices that could be prevented at a very early age, right? I think diabetes is one example that's so prevalent nowadays, um, especially with the COVID pandemic in the last three years, people are so used to being at home and on their couch and work from home, right? And those lifestyle have consequence. So we don't cover, and we I wish we could cover everything at $45 a month, Um, They limit to things, but we deliberately focus on preventative care and lifestyle decisions, help people understand, like getting a routine blood work once a year, even though many can debate that it doesn't have a lot of clinical value. It helps people like me, millennials, look at those numbers and compare it from last year, right? Is my A1C moving up a few point? How is my lipid? How is my different... Biometrics, and I think those things really help inform the lifestyle choices. But back to what um, Doctor Priest, our chief medical officer said, the best way to combat chronic disease is make sure they never happen, mm-hmm. because when they're there, it's already too late.
1: You know that's that's very very true. So talking about that then is being able to have a better understanding and treating diabetes care. You guys are opening up the access to getting the blood work and, and getting access to those sorts of things. But an important part of taking good care of oneself is health literacy. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to a primary care provider or someone that you see who's the same person, um, how do you see Mira's solution, which is, I think, often more with individuals in urgent care? And how do you think that that might shift when you don't necessarily see the same provider every visit?
2: Yeah, when I used to be in the, the health delivery system, I, I was a very strong believer of care continuum and primary care physician as the point of contact. But if I was to reflect within my life, I used to live in D.C. Now I live in New York City and many of my friends we have a primary care we put on the paper, but we don't see him or her. Mm-hmm. That's that is just the reality of this new environment and modern age. Right. We're so busy, even if you go into your, your medical practice, the chance for you to see your primary care physician is slim, could be his nurse practitioner. So in that sense of practicality and mirror, we're like, you know, instead of again, imposing this idea upon people right? It, it Instead of being idealist, practically, what can we do for them? And it turns out there are two things, right? Like you said earlier, health literacy is really a really good tool. At Mirror, we think about how do millennials spend their time nowadays and increasingly the Gen Z. right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it turns out you wake up, what do you do? You get on Instagram or TikTok, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? How do yeah. we push out Important how messaging or you know different educational pieces in small chunks that it digestible the way people consume it. And right now we're doing it with Instagram Story and TikTok. Mm-hmm. It sounds silly, but it works, right? <laughs> yeah. And it has to be lighthearted enough where people actually watch it and remember it. Secondly, we think, you know when people need us, right? For example, that that annual blood work you should get, or you know, if you're prone to diabetes, you get your A1C test. Is there a way that we can make it less confrontational? Because connecting with a primary care provider is helpful, but many people, they don't want to hear that news. They don't want to see that mm-hmm. test result, right? They know they need it, mm-hmm. but they don't want to go to an office just for somebody to tell you, you know what, like your BMI is above 25, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so the way we kind of combat that is we have this really cool web app that you can actually order a test yourself. You can literally Mm. go and show up at the lab corp within an hour, get your sample collected, get your result report within the next 24 to 48 hours. And if something's abnormal, a medical provider will call you and talk about next step right so i think two things just like you said earlier like how do we make sure people get that care continuation mm-hmm. and we think a little bit outside the box right so how do we deliver health education outside of the medical clinic right mm-hmm. into the phone right and second if you have a problem how do we make it easier for you to get care. And we think primary care is no longer a person, it's an ecosystem. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Understood. And then more along the lines of, especially with millennials, uh, maybe not so much with adults, especially ones with with chronic conditions who may have a primary provider, but especially as with the younger age of people, the ideal of primary care sometimes doesn't always get met. And so that's really where Mira can, can step in. Right.
2: And you know, a primary care physician or nurse practitioner or a PA he or she just doesn't have time to go on social, some social media and educate people, right? They're so busy where I just think that the new type of primary care is not a primary care provider. It has to be a primary care ecosystem.
0: And I'm just curious with what you were saying about, you know, how especially now Gen Zs are consuming a lot of their information from platforms, social media platforms like TikTok. Do you see mira providing some sort of educational content through those platforms or is this something that you just think that is coming into the space or, or what are your thoughts about health literacy or educating people about their health through social media platforms
2: yeah so we are extremely active on TikTok and instagram particularly really? um, and the third channel we actually have a dedicated healthcare research team that their only job is to push out content and research. So I'll give you a quick example. In February 2020, COVID was a little bit of news coming from China. It wasn't that prevalent here, um, no pun intended. And <laughs> But we actually, we were like, well, you know, we asked the question, like, is there a possibility it will become prevalent?
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: the answer is yes, right? there one percent chance it will become a pandemic we have a big problem and then Mm -hmm. we have no vaccine at the time we have no truck we know it's a virus but we don't know what it will do and so we start doing research and put together like series of content and we were one of the first one to push out content on how and where to get tested for COVID 19 Mm -hmm. before we even have a test but we started developing hypothesis right and if it Mm -hmm. come where do you get it um that year, we clocked 6 million unique visitors to our website. Wow. We have more unique visitors than many other established large company. And we promised uh, our users or our audience, like we are, there's a lot of content on the internet with an agenda.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Right. They're trying to swing you one way or another. We, we're not trying to do that. We're trying to stick to the facts and really give you like actionable items so that's one that's one example how we did it um because mm-hmm. you know early on some people tell you you know covid test is free but we did our independent yeah. research and we found out that many a charged up to three hundred dollars yeah. so we developed a database of clinic with that price point, and we call these clinics to validate the price almost every week and we push it on the internet so people know where to go Wow!
0: I actually just, I was very curious because I didn't know that you guys had a TikTok. So I went, I think the profile is talk to Mira now. Mm -hmm. And I see you guys have so many videos and just, this is great. I think I'm not sure, but we probably haven't looked at the other companies we, we've spoken to so far to see if they have a social media presence, particularly in, in TikTok. But this is this is great, specifically if you want to target that new set of consumers, or you know, just it's a platform that is increasing its presence exponentially. So this is this is great.
2: Right, and we think you know traditionally, you know, I'm I'm a student of public health, and traditionally we have been doing public health you know the cross country organization nonprofit traditional we do public health by pushing out white papers right and while those are great millennials don't read them that's the fact right and our job is like we don't want to dismiss those products because those are really awesome research that grounded in facts but mm-hmm. our job is how do we take those research and awesome materials that we we'll push out and translate it to a language that people can understand and then create content around those facts and data in a way that people can remember and push it out to channel like TikTok and Instagram. And We have had so much success with them.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, shifting gears a little bit, you have very impressive partners such as CVS, Minute Clinic, and LabCorp. What was the process like? For Mira to develop these partnerships. And what would you say is the most important thing to take into account when startups are thinking about strategic outreach like these ones?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you at the core mm-hmm. of every partnership, there is a relationship, mm-hmm. right? And a relationship is not between a company and a company, a relationship is between a person and a person. And as a startup, you are you bring very little monetary values to a large company right doesn't matter how big it is it's still very small relatively
0: yeah
2: and so you have to convince them if you're not bringing a lot of revenue to them
0: mm-hmm. is
2: there another angle of values that you provide and for us I think one is that many of these company, um Mira is a First foray into the population we serve. And we at Mira believe that today we have 30 million people who are, I don't want to call them uninsured, we call them underbenefited.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We think with this new booming of the flexible working economy and the changing nature of job, like even in medicine, many of the physicians nowadays don't work in a hospital they are locum, they, they work remotely, they work for multiple virtual care companies from home,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? They too struggle with navigating health benefits <laughs> because they don't get it from their job, ironically, right? And so we think there, there are gonna be even more people who are falling into this bucket, right? And for those companies, our, our pitches look like this population is booming regardless of where we want them to boom or not, right? we are neutral mm-hmm. to we don't want more people to become an insurer but if there are more people we have to be here to serve them and mira is your foray into them right um, mckinsey did a research they found an average uninsured person spent 1200 dollars a year hmm. out of pocket in healthcare, care hmm. which is more than most people spend on amazon <laughs> right and there are 30 million people who are in that bucket so That for us is pretty clear why CVS and LabCorp and other partners should partner with Mira to serve them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's very helpful what, you know, the way you're thinking about it for, especially for those founders who are at early stage startups that want to have these big companies. And as you say, you're not going to be a significant part of their revenue. So, or you're not going to bring, significant revenue compared to what they already make. So I think that's um, that's that's a very useful way to think about it. So for the marketplace that Mira is to access care, having accurate information on provider directories, especially as you are present in 45 plus states is a real challenge. So, for example, the that the provider's phone number or address is correct. How does Mira go about this when their users are trying to find care through Mira's platform. Mm -hmm. I I know that there are companies out there that offer APIs to take care of this burden per se. Mm -hmm. Does Mira address this in-house or do you partner with other companies for this?
2: Yeah, we do address them in-house and we have looked at multiple data provider. We found that even the most accurate data provider sometimes has a gap right Mm -hmm. and as opposed to a traditional insurance company which they provide you certain level of risk containment they don't really give you a way to find a doctor right so the product of an insurance company is a card
0: Mm -hmm. right and you kind of
2: have to shop around see who will take your insurance and then you got to figure out like what's your deductible, what's your copay, yada, yada, yada. We take it a step further and say, hey, you know, if you need care, there's no insurance card. You just go on the mirror app, we'll tell you where to go, right? So we take it a step further. It's almost like a full stack healthcare company. And with that, you identify one of the challenges is how do we know where to send people, right? So it's not just the, the location, the phone number, but also the type of care that's needed. Mm -hmm. right because not every fever is the same a fever is a manifestation of thousands of things right and so we have to dig down and say okay what type of fever you have and we don't really prescribe people where to go but we suggest we say hey you know here are two venues you can go um at the lowest cost and this clinic is here that clinic is there or here's the virtual care option so to answer your question i think One, we do maintain it in-house. It's a lot of work that our team put around the clock. But for every members we serve, we get to validate that data.
0: Got
1: it.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. And we Mm -hmm. have another team. Their sole job is literally do clinic survey. Mm -hmm. We make sure we keep our provider database accurately, but we have this feedback loop on the member side. And for a clinic that we have, we don't have data on, we actually validate it manually. Mm-hmm. And the, the upside is that it's one of the, there's a lot of company out there that report pricing, mm-hmm. but none of those pricing are validated. You got to remember, right? We actually know because we send people there ourselves, right? So I think for us, that, that's a competitive advantage.
1: Well, and so it sounds like you guys do all that stuff in house. You'd mentioned something interesting uh, that I wanted to follow up on, which is, you know, you talked about the fever, right? So there are lots of types of fevers. Some of them can be treated in in relatively simple settings. And then some of them require follow-up with a cardiologist, GI, or whoever else, some sort of specialist. And so what is your process for referral care?
2: Yeah, we first, at the first layer of care excellence, we try to get our members problem resolved within the first touch, Uh right? As much as we could. So Uh we usually look at a case and you know, we have an awesome in house navigation team. Uh We look at we say, you know, this, this member has the symptoms, how long has it been? Have they seen someone? What are some of the best option we can offer to him or her? Right. Mm -hmm. And when we look at an option, let's say we have clinic A and clinic B, we are so dig into the capability of the clinic. Right. What type of clinician is there and what type of equipment they have. Right. Do they have some sort of imaging machine? Do they have in-house testing? Doesn't matter how much money it costs. Like, can they get the problem resolved within Mm -hmm. that? And then there are cases, very rare instances where we can solve it within the first touch. Which you know, even if we successfully at referring the patient, every time you refer someone, you delay the care, which is a little bit of conundrum, right? So it's the next step, but you do delay the care, and so if that happened, we do have another team that help patient figure out what type of specialist they have to go to, um, according to our experience, and then, you know, who has the lowest price point near them. So it's multiple layers, but our job is how can we get your problem solved with one stop?
0: One of the things that stood out to me is that Git workers seem to be an important share of your target customers, whereas that is, let's say, from employers that employ people on a part-time basis or just people that would like to purchase the, the platform because they're gig workers themselves. How is Mira doing outreach to these individuals specifically and educating them on how to use your service complementary to or instead of insurance? Most of
2: our users do not have insurance, so it, it we're not really trying to convince people to switch from insurance if you can afford a really good plan. I don't think you should get Mira, right? I think the folks who get Mira, really, they have no choice, right? But to get Mira, we're like the only other things on the market that for them to get in healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. we're trying to do it so that no matter where the heck you go, you're always going to be covered. And yeah, we don't cover everything, but at least you get your If you need an urgent care, you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right, and it, it's really I think it, it's built for this new modern society, and we're we're trying to get better at it.
1: Well, thank you so much, uh Kang. This is the lightning round, so it's a little sure. bit on a lighter note. uh These are just you know things that maybe no one's even asked you before. Let us know when you're ready. Sure, ready. All right. So, what is your favorite section of a CVS store, not including the Minute Clinics that pair with you?
2: I have to say. F- um, pharmacy.
1: Pharmacy. <laughs> now, why is that?
2: I'm fascinated on like what get to be on the shelf because I'm sure CVS get a lot of pitches every day, right?
1: <laughs> Got you. All right. So this is the last one. So we are a Zoom chat full of GW grads. So I felt like I had to ask. But so what is your only at GW moment?
2: Yeah, um, the NVC um new venture case competition I mean that that's the one I um facilitated by the university but I took um three teams competing in the um Nazi healthcare case competition Cleveland Clinic case competition and Georgetown Innovations competition and uh those are fascinating because it, it really put all of your uh, skills and things you learn in in class to test in a very short amount of time and also like under extremely high pressure environment
0: yeah and did that come from the GW's new venture competition that's where it it started
2: yeah that was one that sort of sparked it but you know we also in the in the healthcare administration program it's sort of like part of our traditions the send team to those competition and we participate mm-hmm. in multiple competition we send I think like four or five teams every year and, wow. and the, yeah and the, also the the expenses are covered by the school oh that's
0: great that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, Kang, it was a pleasure having you on our podcast. We really enjoyed speaking with you about Mira and the solution it's bringing to the 30 plus million underbenefited people in the US. Thank you for your time, and we're excited to see what's next for Mira. Thank you Likewise. so much.
1: Thanks, Kang. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at health tech talks or email us at health tech talks at gmail.com.
0: Our music is from Juan Arango on our logo by Daniela Rojas. I'm Laura Gomez.
1: And I'm Wynn Dobbs. This was Health Tech Talks. Till next time.